at it again with another installment of the Rufus Rundown. We're finally uh, back in action. Been, uh, I don't know how many days it's been uh, since we had our comeback pod. But finally, finally returning to the airwaves. It's going to be sports talk today. It's going to be the real wide world of sports. Um, obviously a lot taking place in the first couple weeks of the NFL. Um, some college football to talk about as well. It being the main, mainly being a football episode today. So, first and foremost, Deion Sanders in the Colorado Buffalo is pretty much the biggest game in the college football season thus far, by far. Uh, very highly anticipated mashup, uh, matchup. We had Deion Sanders the week before against Colorado State. He, he brings his mom in. He brings his mom in. Gets them all hyped up. Get upset a lot. Unless they talking about y'all. Oh, you talking about my mom? Mm-hmm. Yes, See, back where I come from, when somebody says something about your mom, you put one foot back. Yes, so you were ready to get down. He didn't directly say something about my mom, but he alluded to the fact that his mama raised him, and my mama didn't raise me right. I raised him right. I mean, the game getting over 10 million viewers, again, good for the game of football. 10 million people tuning in for a, whatever, week four, week five college football game. Um, it's great for recruiting. You look at the sideline. There's so many, you know, there's celebrities. You got Not only did you have Deion Sanders' mom in there hyping people up, you also had Dwayne Johnson in that locker room. You have so many, you know, high-level athletes that can be around. You have Deion Sanders, who, who lived the life, who obviously does care about the kids that are involved. It's, this is this is much bigger than him and, and his situation, what he has going on. Much, much bigger than that. Um, it, it's, again, it's just impressive, I think, the leadership that Deion Sanders shows like in terms of a world that lacks said leadership. I, I think that that's the most impressive thing in, in, in consideration to you know everything that you might think about Deion Sanders' character. Um, I think it's the most impressive that he does actually care about leading these young men you know, in the game of football and into, game, into the game of life you know, and how he does his leadership style, which is why I think it's great for the game of football, and I think it's great for college football. Um, and I don't know if I want to see Dan, Deion Sanders in the pros. He care, I mean, he said it too. I mean, but then again, he said he would never leave Jackson State. But, like, he's his caring for the kids. You can see when there was a player that got injured at TCU that had previous injuries with Alabama, and when Deion went over to him, it was a guy that they had recruited, but he stayed away from because of said injuries. You know, he went down injured. He said, you know, if you don't get up, like, we're going to roll you. Like, you, you they, your guys need you. Just caring about like the kids overall and just who they are as people, it, it has impressed me so much in terms of seeing that and how much of a leader he is and how much of a true uh, head of football coach Deion Sanders is. And again, again, his personality—it's gonna put a—it's gonna put a target on your back. It, it's going to—you know—a lot of people are gonna want to talk about you, talk about you know the situation that you're in. So again, but he doesn't really particularly care about that. You know, he lets him talk about him all he wants. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to go to work. Where's Travis Hunter forced out due to injury? I mean, Travis Hunter isn't the difference. You know, forty-two-six. They're not. They're not there yet. They're not there yet. But I mean, this is a program that had one win, was in a financial deficit, and now he's. You know, they're selling out games, and people are buying merchandise. Uh, the whole sunglasses thing with with the clip from the coach saying, "Hey, 
you know, my mom used to tell me to take off your hat and sunglasses and talk to people. And then, of course, like I said, that clip that I played um, of Deion Sanders, his mama getting everybody hype. It, again, it's, it, it's super, super impressive what Deion Sanders been able to do. Again, tough result because then you look at the clip of Dan Lanning, the head coach of the Oregon Ducks, who, you know, went off. And, and I'll play the clip for you here. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass, right? It's going to be played on the grass. Let's go. I mean, we're playing we're playing for wins. They're playing for clicks. Whew. Fighting words. Fighting words, but and, and again, this game is gonna be played on a grass field, not in Hollywood. He's a football guy. This is a football guy. I mean, they're both football guys doing it in their own way, and, and Dion had his way of doing it, has his way of motivating his players, and obviously has done a pretty good job of it thus far. But then you look at how Dan Lanning decided to go about it. It seems personal, but that's, that's just sometimes it's it's your motivational character, the characteristics that you provide, you know, to motivate your players. I mean, that's just how coaches are going to do. Deion Sanders does it his way. He says the things he has to say, and you know, Dan Lanning has to do the things he has to say to get his players. Obviously, it worked for Oregon. Obviously, they took it personal. Obviously, they went to work, took care of business, forty-two-six, put a whooping on them. I mean, I think it's all good for college football. It gets people talking about it. It's exciting. Like at Oregon posting clips, and it involves what Deion Sanders was saying about them before the game. Again, it just remember, heavy is the head that wears the crown. I mean, if you're up there and you're winning, you're talking all this game. That that's all good and well, but it's gonna you know you're gonna have that target. It's gonna be hard to maintain that. It's all gonna come back to you in a period of time. Like I and I, again, I think Deion Sanders playing at the level he did and doing what he did in the league and doing what he did in college ball and you know professional baseball. I, I'm sure he understands that. Now Oregon, they're gonna be probably ranked or already have been ranked into the top ten. So again, there's going to be a lot of expectations of Oregon. I think they were to begin with, but then you go out there and you beat Colorado that way, and you start, you know, you talk in the game like that. Again, it's going to present a target in your back. You're going to have to deal with the expectations. You're going to have to deal with teams coming at you a different way and, and approaching you in a personal manner in terms of how they want to, you know, they they have this pull now in terms of the locker room and how they want to go to like go to work. It's going to be personal. You know, like Coach Sanders said, it was personal too, but. This is this truthfully again. It's just how this game goes, and you try to prevent the quotes you know, from getting out there like that. But again, I think I think it's good. I think it's good hype for college football. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for the Buffaloes. Again, after losing to, I mean, they did upset TCU, but again, I think this was like their first true, um, real test in terms of you know opponents and you know Pac-12, Oregon. They they went to work and they showed up and. Dan Landing had his boys going, and they just flat out outplayed him. And we'll see how you know Colorado responds again. You know, Coach Sanders talked about adversity. Responded to that. Um, you know, you're not you're not going to be perfect every year, or more specifically, in, ever in life or on the football field. So, um, however, Coach Sanders and Coach Prime gets them to respond to it. I'm interested to see, but I think overall it's a super super exciting way to work into this show. You know, Ten million viewers. You, you, you can't tell me it's not good for the game of college football. And I can't, I can't, who's going to hate on Coach Sanders? Who's going to hate on the excitement? Again, you can bandwagon them all you want to. That's, that's what you're going to run into issues with that with bandwagon fans. But at the end of the day, 
I, again, you, you can't say that it's bad for the game the way that he's handling business and if he kept winning. I mean, it was truthfully, again, Hollywood stories. He said this isn't going to be played out in Hollywood. But again, that's how the, the, the storyline was taking its shape. So that was the most impressive thing was just how almost scripted it seemed. It seemed for Coach Prime and, you know, for Shadur. And I think there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of, but there's a lot of room for growth too. And, you know, to see, to see the, the potential where it was and where it can get to you know obviously they raised the bar from where it was last season or continuing to raise the bar this season but that's a step back so you see how they respond to the step back that's just the game of football it's the game of life so we'll see you know it doesn't change because Deion sanders talks more smack than the next guy it doesn't change for oregon either you know they still have a lot of business to take care of it's early in the season but again it's i think it's all really good uh, for the college football game, and especially because we, we're dealing with all this NIL stuff in terms of recruiting and paying players. I mean, you, you get like, you know, at the end of the day, it still comes down to the gridiron. It still comes down to the tenacity, and it comes down to motivating players, regardless of who you're paying or what talent you have coming in. You still have to get your players to perform up to this level, like to the level where you win 42-6 against a team that is one of the hottest teams in the country and one of the, you know, highest praised and everybody following him in social media and they and they got their boys to show up and, and line them up 42 to 6 so again in this in this era where you're, you're paying all you're paying players doing everything this this sort of way with the nil again you have all these power these you know influential people that you know Deion sanders can bring in including himself on top of the talent and the way that he coaches that are going to pull players in and it kind of gets away from that whole nil who has the most money where you're going to pull people in that way and it transforms this new world of college football. So it's a little bit of both. It's not just who you can pay because you can look at Texas A&M and how much money they're spending, and the Jimbo is not doing anything with it. Um, of course, you have the historical Nick Saban. It doesn't look at Alabama as the same team by any means. Um, Texas coming back. So, again, the, 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 the world is shifting, and I think that Coach Prime being in the middle of that is you know a very, very cool thing. And, you know, I hope to see, you know, him as a success and same thing with Oregon. I want it to be, I mean, the whole conferences thing I haven't really dug too deep into in terms of college football and the change in conferences. Um, I just want to see the, see a competitive game. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it all unfolds. But, again, Coach Prime and everything that has gone down with this game and everything this season so far for Colorado, good for the game of football, good for college football as well. Now that we've covered the brief period of college ball that I do want to cover, obviously get into the NFL, which is just, you know, really, really getting into um, the fun part, the fun part of the season. Be starting to dig into it. Uh, we're starting to already, you know, hit these historical numbers and, um, you know, the, de- the offenses are coming around and everybody, you know, some of the defenses aren't, you know, in terms of reps and how people work things out, with, uh, the new limited preseason. Um the double the double header Monday night footballs are are not what I am a fan of though. Is anybody does anybody like this? Maybe like the two games on Monday? I don't. I don't like having to watch two different games. I mean, like if we're talking, you know, a sequence of events here. Thursday night football. I'm gonna watch Thursday night football. That's it. Thursday night football. We're good. And then you get college football on Saturday. You get these big games. It's Colorado, Oregon. College football Saturday. You have an NFL slate on Sundays. You have the ones, the fours, and you have Sunday night football, which you lock in for. Plan your meals accordingly throughout the day. Maybe you have a little appetizer sampler going on. Some different foods throughout. You have your dinner. For me, I'm cooking my lunch for the week, too, with my girlfriend. We're locking it in. All day, watching football. We're having snacks throughout the day. If we got to work or whatever, that's one thing. But for the most part, we're locked in. We're locked in for football on Sunday. You have Sunday night football. That's a prime time game. You have one. 
one primetime game. And then you have Monday. You have Monday Night Football. That's a primetime, too. It's big on my, my pool sheet. It's big on my pool sheet. Not the two different teams. Not the same time, like an hour split. Like, when they did the two primetime games, I believe it was either on Sunday night or Monday night, in the past, they had them at different times. They did not have it at the same time. It was at the same time. So, I don't like this double header action because the script writers are on strike and actresses and actors are on strike. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit because... You're just messing up the whole the, the, the traditional football schedule is now just just thrown out. You don't have it anymore. It, for, for viewership's sake, you, you just have your primetime games. You have your Thursdays, your Sunday nights, your Mondays. And you have the, the slate on the Sunday. That's how it goes. That's how it's always been. I, I'm not flipping back and forth between two games, especially ones that I have, you know, money on. I'm not doing it. It's just... I just, again, I don't feel like that's the way you fill the gap of not having the TV shows you want. If you're a broadcasting company, if you're a television channel, if you're a television company, I just don't see that that being the answer. I mean, it's how they're going to fill the gap. It's whatever they pick up the extra game. But do it at a different time. Do a West Coast, East Coast, you know, maybe keep somebody up or just, you know, let them watch one game. Like, this, the two mixed together, I just I just don't like the idea of that. Or just maybe a Saturday night game. I don't know. Find a way to mix something in. But that's college football's kind of day. So the doubleheader is one thing if you're going to do it at two separate times, one following the other, maybe start one at six or one at five o'clock, you know, people get out of work at the East Coast, like, you figure it out. But the whole, like, 7.30, like, 8.30, one-hour gap for me is, is, is not cutting it. I don't like it at all. I mean, I kind of like how it's the same broadcasting company, so they kind of cut right into the other game. So it's like ESPN, ABC, it's Disney all together. So, like, if you're, you're watching one game and it finishes up, you're just cutting into another game. I can appreciate that, but I don't. Again, I'm not. I'm not with a doubleheader. Like my way of watching football is Thursday night football, which is you know, if you want to watch Thursday night football because of how it normally ends up going. If you're Saturday college football, you're Friday night high school football, and then you have your Sunday slate. You have your Sunday night primetime individual one game, and then you have your Monday one game. That's it. That's how the week goes. That's how it rolls out. Plan food around that. Your your whole week around that. Then you have two games. This is two two game. Say on Monday, there's no need for it. Interrupts the four o'clock window on Red Zone. I'm watching less games now. And then when I'm looking at my my pick sheet, it messes everything up. It messes everything up. It's way more hectic. Way more hectic for the person putting the sheet together. It's more hectic for me making my picks. All these, I mean, it's just it's just random primetime games. I don't like how they throw it into the schedule. Or if you're gonna do that, this whole Monday to Monday to Thursday, so you're, you're messing up how you're going to do short weeks. Get rid of the Thursday night game. You get rid of the Thursday night game, you do a Monday night doubleheader. So no more Thursdays, just Sunday, Monday. You, and you just doubleheader to the Sunday, uh, the, the Monday night. Or you could doubleheader the Sunday night. Very well, it could do two primetime games. You could, you know, the 4 o'clock window could shuffle a little bit. And you could do a doubleheader on Sunday and then a one game on Monday. But this whole doubleheader Monday thing, like you could do it so much better than just throwing them on at the same time. Doesn't make any sense. It used to be a prime time individual spot. People would wait all week for that one game. I try to watch my Saints when we play the Panthers, and you have a whole entire another game on. Not not riding with it. Not not how I'm trying to work with it. So uh, do better, ESPN. Do better. Now there is a ton. There's a ton that I want to get into the NFL, and I kind of want to go each individual game 
but I'm not going to do it like in a traditional manner of like game by game. I am going to go through the ESPN power rankings. I do like the ESPN power rankings. Uh, we're going to take a look at that. There's some specific games that I want to get into. I want to talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and how I don't want Swifties um, anywhere near the NFL. I don't need it. Um, you know, obviously the Broncos doing their thing, the Chiefs making their statement, the Vikings, you know, there's, there's a lot to break down. But we'll start with the ESPN power rankings, and we'll go from the bottom to the top. So 30, all 32 teams we're briefly going to touch on here. The Chicago Bears. The, the Chicago Bears at 0-3. They're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of offensive efficiency. They're 31st in offensive efficiency, which is just hard to believe. And you look at the ESPN article here, it says the biggest issue on offense, the entire operation, it's hyperlinked. I'm sure there were a lot of baldy breakdowns on Twitter. Um, again, this is, it, it looks, last year you have Justin Fields running all over the place. And it looks like they're trying to kind of transform him into something that he is not. Um, he's not a pocket playmaker. He just doesn't do it from there, at least unless you're, like, setting it up that way off of his runs on a play-action type. But he needs to be moving to make a lot of throws, to get out of the pocket, to feel comfortable. Now, is that ideal for your, your, your quarterback? No. Is it hard? Is it harder to play call around? Absolutely, yes. But you have an offensive mind. I mean, any coach, I believe Iberflus was an offensive guy. I could be wrong. But it's so strange to me. I mean, they have there's no. I mean, the defense has no hope too because of how I mean, just abysmal the offense has been. And it just the the whole operation, like it says, is a mess. But it's gonna come back on. It should come down on Justin Field. I mean, play calling has been bad all around for the Bears. But again, you just you just see Fields making missing big open throws too. That's the other issue too. Is that just Fields is just comfortable in the pocket, which if he's not comfortable in the pocket, don't leave him in there. Don't don't force him to do things that he's not good at. Again, you have to under, like, I think identify strengths and weaknesses in your offense. I think a strength is the mobility of Justin Fields. Teams can game plan knowing that, but you just have to be a little smarter. You have to, and again, I think working around things that you're more comfortable with running, more success running, is more important than trying to do things that you think works for an offense, like your whole idea of an offense. Your whole idea of an offense only works if you have the pieces in place to run your offense. So the matter of running the offense that you want to run as opposed to running the offense that is most successful for this team. And I think that's where the disconnect is with the Chicago Bears is that they are more worried about running their offense that they want to run, like their own like identity, than creating their identity based off of the tools that they have in place, knowing that they, they have Justin Fields and his strengths. That is more or less what you have to do. You have to build around what you have not build up what you have, at least in the sense where they know they have they have drafted this kid, or draft someone who fits that system. Just don't draft any quarterback. So that's that's where I think their biggest disconnect is, is that they have not they're not building around Justin Fields. They're building. They're trying to build. They're trying to manipulate Justin Fields in the system that they're trying to build. Trying to build both at the same time. No, you have an incredibly talented quarterback that has talents. Build around that. Now, could he get hurt? Could things happen? Absolutely. The team's game plan differently, knowing that you want to run the ball. Absolutely. But, like, you have to deal with that risk because if, this alternative is terrible. You don't even come close to winning ball games. It's terrible. You have to find a way to game plan about what your strengths already are. You can't begin to try and manipulate those strengths into your idea of a system at this point. You have to work around what your strengths are, and you have to 
that's what you know, look, at the, look, at the Miami, look at the Miami Dolphins and the speed that they have in the air now, manipulating things around that speed, sending guys in motion. You know, Tua gets the ball out quick, getting into their hands quick, letting them use that speed in open field, toss, you know, crack sweeps, a lot of speed on the outside, spreading teams out. Again, that might not be the Bears' way to do things. And again, you might do it. Uh, maybe, you know, a lot of you know read options with Justin Field, and you know, maybe more defendable at this level. Maybe you have to run some quarterback powers or some quarterback zones or pitch options or a lot of play action. You, you, this, the, again, you're not gonna. Again, I don't. I don't think it's a personnel issue yet. You 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 can identify your personnel issues once you actually get into an offense that people are comfortable running. And I do not think they're there yet. I do not think they're game planning around their strengths. Uh, by any means. And again, you look, you, you scroll up on the list. We're going to move on from the Bears. We're going to move on to the Broncos. And understanding that the Broncos just got 70 pieced. 70 pieced. The Denver Broncos got smoked. They're giving up first round picks. They're giving up all this second, third round, fourth round. They're giving up so much capital for Russell Wilson to come save the day. Clearly, it didn't work out, but it was Nathaniel Hackett's fault, right? Uh, Sean Payton said that it was one of the worst head coaching jobs. That he's ever seen his entire career, right? Or he has seen his entire life. Well, they give up first-round picks for Sean Payton, too. And uh, um, <clears throat> guess what? Still 0-3. And historically, since the Super Bowl era began in 1966, only six teams have started 0-3 and went on to the playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. So that goes for the Bears at this point. That goes for the Broncos, who, again, offense, offensively, their efficiency actually isn't bad. They're 10th. But then you just, just altogether, turnovers, timing, Russell Wilson, I just don't think is the quarterback that he used to be, and giving up 70 points. Good, good Lord. Good Lord. A lot to unpack there. But, again, to come out and say it's one of the worst head coaching jobs in league history start 0-3, which historically means you will not make the playoffs. And then to just, you know, it doesn't look, I mean, you're not, I can't, I can't blame Russ yet. That's how bad it is. I want to blame Russell Wilson. You, I mean, I didn't think he was going to step back to form. We're not going to know. Because clearly, there's a lot more going on in the Denver Broncos locker room than meets the eye. And uh, Sean Payton clearly in saying that it was, a, it was a bad head coaching job has, has had trouble working that bad culture out of where it was to where it needs to be because this is brutal. This is just brutal, brutal, brutal football that we're watching from the Broncos. I mean, this is the, I forget, what it is. It was the most points scored in games in 1966 as well. So popular, popular week to do things for the first time since 1966, it would appear. In my opinion, that sucked. Because this is the most points scored in the NFL game, of course, on the Broncos since 1966. And also, um... There's only six teams since 1966 that have made the playoffs after starting out with three. Um, Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears will both be two teams that will continue with that fate. They will not be playoff football teams. But yeah, I, again, I don't see a lot of. I don't have a lot of faith in Russell Wilson. I thought I had more faith in Sean Payton to kind of get him like to elevate his game. And again, he hasn't been a complete problem. But uh, clearly, turnovers have been an issue. Clearly, the defense is a problem. You're giving up 70 points. We we need to reset there before we look at anything else giving up 70 the defense needs to look themselves in the mirror they need to figure it out they need to check check that out for sure uh moving on up the list how much further the carolina panthers 0 and three and just again 
not an offensively efficient team. They're not incredibly deep on the defensive side. They do have some pass rushers. They do have Brian Burns, who's a very, very good pass rusher. Um, I believe J.C. Horn has picked up an injury um, in the secondary. But you have a young, Bryce Young, who's taking hits, which has now led to him getting injured and, and Andy Dalton having to come in. And yeah, J.C. Horn has picked up an injury. So it's... God, the Panthers, I, I didn't have a lot of, I mean, this all comes down to, like, drafting who fits your scheme or someone you can build around. Do I think, I think Bryce Young would be a good NFL quarterback in a stable system, but is he going to be good in this Frank Reich system? There's his division and who he has around him. Uh, I mean, jury's still out. There's still a lot of time for, you know, a young Heisman winner to, to grow. But, I don't know, he was lining up in the wrong spots. I mean, clearly shook. This might have been a better idea with the team that they have and the talent that they have. I mean, you see the division that they're in, right? And they can obviously build um, from that division up because you think, like, oh, even 7 and 10 might get us into the playoffs. So, you know, you give it a shot with the rookie. You, you probably think you can win a couple games with this talent alone. But on the other hand, you have Andy Dalton behind him. This is very well a situation where you could have started out with Andy Dalton and worked Bryce Young in behind him. But obviously, considering where Bryce Young was taken, um, they wanted to send him right in. They wanted to work with him right away, obviously. And he has some mobility, too. I don't really think they've been able to capitalize much um, on his mobility. But obviously, dealing with you know, the injury now. And I don't know if it's totally you know the injury as to why he was why he's not back in. I mean, I'm sure, like, if he was playing really well, I think he'd be, pl- like, here's my thing, if he, if he was playing really well, like, the number one overall pick that you would expect him to play, I guarantee you this ankle injury is not that big of a deal when he's out there playing. But considering his struggles, they're going to take their time with the ankle injury because they feel like they can, you know, they'd rather not, you know, compound things and make it, you know, make the injury worse on top of the fact that he's not playing well enough. Like, why get him hurt while he's not ready to play physically or mentally? And I think that that's the case with the Panthers, and again, 0-3, don't see him going, don't see him going anywhere, um, and then you go up to the Titans, the Titans 1-2, and two. Um, terrible, they have been terrible, um, and again, this is just coming from a Saints fan who, you know, was just struggling to beat them late, but again, they're averaging allowed over four sacks per game, which, which is terrible, which is pretty bad. Um, again, I can't say much as a Saints fan. We're getting a quarterback kill, but at least our defense is showing up, and our offense shows up enough. But again, the there's no there's no push. Um, again, Derek Henry hasn't been the guy. Again, and I don't know if they're going to him even as much. Um, Tannehill. Again, I just don't think that they have an identity anymore. They're not running as powerfully behind Derek Henry. They don't. Ryan Tannehill not the same guy. And then you have Malik Willis or Will Levis behind him. Again, you have such a weird and complicated quarterback room. Like you don't, like where is the direction going? I don't think they have any faith in one of their any of their three quarterbacks, even though they've spent uh, some pretty good draft capital on them. And obviously, they're paying Tanhill a pretty good chunk. And I don't think that they have any confidence in any of the three of them to lead them. I don't think Derrick Henry's the same guy. Uh, again, there's no identity offensively. Get rid of AJ Brown. They haven't had. The outside playmakers, DeAndre Hopkins isn't what he once was, but then again, you don't have a quarterback to lead the room, so you don't particularly know uh, what you can get out of him because you don't really have like a, a true gunslinger in there getting it to him. So 
future is not bright for the Titans. I mean, you're going to have to change quarterback at some point to at least see what happens, but you don't you still don't even know where you're going with Willis or Levis. I think it has to be Levis because I think people have already seen the Malik Willis experience and they're already kind of all set with it, which is unfortunate because, you know, the kid could be very talented, um, could have put in some hard work, but they've already seen the Malik Willis experience. They're, 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 they're very, very, very content. We're seeing anything but Malik Willis. So, I mean, really, your only choice is to flip it to Will Levis, and it's only a matter of time uh, before that happens. Houston Texans, 28. It's, I mean, CJ Stroud has been promising. I mean, he's completing over 65% of his passes. He's thrown for some of the most yards in the NFL. He might actually lead um, the NFL in passing yards uh, if I take a quick peek at the statistics. But, I mean, he's been pretty good so far. I mean, he hasn't been, you know, the most impressive. But I think that he's impressed me in, consider, in considering the situation that he's going into. But yeah, he's one of the uh, top five passing yard you know, leaders in the league. He hasn't thrown a pick yet. You know, he's been he's been pretty good. I mean, he's obviously see that shot pretty mobile too, so uh, not a whole lot of weapons there. I mean, they have Mechie there coming back from cancer. Um, there's, I think there's a lot to look forward to with this Texans team, but not yet. I think D'Amico Ryan's going to get him going. Um, but just just not yet. So, but C.J. Stroud, obviously, I mean, I, Ohio State quarterbacks, there's a curse on him. And Justin Fields going through that curse right now, too. I, I hope, hopefully, C.J. Stroud can break that curse. I mean, they're up from 31 from ESPN's power rankings now to 28, so they've moved up a little bit. And then you're looking at, you know, the Raiders right above them. Do I think that the Texans should be below the Raiders? I don't know. I mean, you're getting that Vikings conversation, too. You get some 0-3 teams above them, too. I mean, it's... It, it's difficult to say. Again, I don't. I think in the division they're going to play in it. I mean, considering how slow the Jags have started, they might. The division might begin to open up for them. But then we look at the Raiders. And again, ESPN is citing that their biggest issue on offense is, is chemistry. Uh, Devontae Adams has you know, said that we're not building a winning culture, and he's kind of waiting for them to, you know, settle that down, settle the locker room down. Like he's just kind of waiting. Like, I'm waiting. Like I don't have all day, but I mean, like I guess I got to wait for you guys to put things together to make things work for me. Clearly, there's a disconnect there. Josh McDaniels beginning to looks like lose the locker room. A lot of stuff going on um, off the field with Chandler Jones. They're dealing with some injuries to edge rushers outside of Max Crosby, and just haven't been able to put it. Josh Jacobs has has been a shell of his former self, averaging just above two yards per carry, which is is pitiful considering he's one he's the rushing yard leader last year. I felt one of the best you know backs in the league last year, and then of course holds out for a while, and they pay him the one year deal, kind of do the Saquon thing. He just hasn't been the same and do i and do i th- i think the texans have a brighter outlook than the raiders and they probably should bump up one spot above them and then we're starting to you know work our way up 26 the minnesota vikings do we do we do we think that they have any chance here i mean no no again Kirk cousins is just been on a tear but it's just some time uh mistimely i should say interceptions of Kirk cousins i mean he was known for an incredible amount of passing he's leading the league in passing yards and, you know, nine touchdowns and two picks, completing almost 70% of his passes. If you round up, he's really, really impressive. But uh, there's also been a lot of pressure on him, too. He's been sacked eight times, which isn't leading the league, but it's certainly up there in terms of when you look at uh, those stats. He's, he's kind of middle of the road in terms of that, you know, aspect of getting sacked. But there has been a lot of pressure on him. And, I mean, again, those are some timely mistakes for the throws that he has made. But at the end of the day, that defense that defense needs to do better than what 
than what it's been shown to be. I mean, I really think that the defense is one of the bigger issues with the Minnesota Vikings, and I think that that's, I mean, Brian Flores. I mean, Brian Flores is there now, so uh, he's got to figure that out. I mean, Cousins is taking his shots. He's played well down the stretch, but again, even even with the Chargers trying to throw the game away, they tried to do it. They tried it. They, they went for it inside their own 25. Um, on fourth down, when they're up by four, for absolutely no reason. But again, it's in it's in Kirk's hands there. But then overall, I believe the defense has let Kirk Cousins down throughout most of the season. But that's a team that you know last year they they were eleven and zero in one score games. It's kind of an outlier in terms of what they were able to do um, last season. Eleven and zero in one score games, playing a lot of tight games. They won all of them to start this season. Every game has been a one score game. They're on three. I didn't think it was going to be that quite drastic of a fall-off where they might not win a single one-score game, and I'm sure that their luck will change, but is it going to be enough to change their luck to become a playoff team? I don't see them breaking that 0-3 trend um, to go on to the playoffs. It actually puts the Arizona Cardinals above them, which I disagree with. I think, But then again, the Cardinals do have a win, which kind of you know, a little bit closer. I mean, everybody expected them to be this brutal, miserable team, uh, myself included, especially when they traded for Josh Dobbs. I mean... I was a Colt McCoy fan growing up. I was kind of hoping Colt would get another chance. But rolling with Josh Dobbs, finally getting his opportunity to start in this league, um, he's, he's done okay. I mean, all things considered, they've held their own. And the, the big upset win over the Cowboys, um, again, I just, this is, I mean, they're not going to do anything more than just a couple of upset wins and covering spreads. I mean, this might be a team that covers a lot of bigger double-digit spreads. They might be undefeated in covering double-digit spreads, but I just do not see this as any type of like competitive team, especially in the division they're playing it. They're going to get smoked in the division, but they might hang tough enough in those games to cover a couple spreads for you if you're looking to bet them, but I just don't see that Josh Jobs leading them to anything crazy. But then again, I'm not a big Kyler Murray fan anymore either, so I don't know. Well, um, the jury's still out on Arizona. It's obviously, still early in this season. It puts them a spot behind the New York Jets, who I think should maybe even be lower, considering how poorly Zach Wilson has played. They are the lowest offensive efficiency in the league. They had a miracle week one win following the Aaron Rodgers injury, which has obviously just totally changed the dynamic. There's arguments on the sideline. There's obviously like Brees Hall's not getting enough touches, and clearly the culture has been shocked there. Was shocked there when Rodgers got there, and it seemed like a totally different energy. You can watch on Hard Knocks. You can see um, how different everything had gone for them. But the injury has shocked them right back. And now they got that one shocking win. You know, a lot of momentum there. And Zach Wilson is just not having it. I mean, everybody wanted to get wowed by Zach Wilson when he first came into the league. Letting it rip on air. No pads, no nothing. And just that, that impressed people, and it's just never going to be enough. I, I will judge court. And the same with what happened with Levis. I will judge the film before I judge any type of all these, like, unpadded throws on the run inside of a dome environment. Like, let's put pressure on you. Let's put a defense out there. That's when a quarterback makes plays. Again, in the New York Giants, sit right where they are, another just miserable, miserable loss. I mean, the Giants are just not a good football team. I mean, we just, they just, just don't look... And they paid Daniel Jones all that money to do what he does based off the fact that everybody around him has to be good for him to be worth that kind of money. Wrong decision to pay him there, but you kind of handcuff like, where do you go quarterback-wise if you don't pay Daniel Jones? You now you get injuries to Andrew Thomas. You get injuries to Saquon Barkley. 
Jones facing pressure. But again, like Dable, I think is a good coach. Uh, and I thought they would respond a little bit more, but I think it's clear that their issues are running a little bit deeper um, in terms of just health right now. I think there's there's obviously uh, the league has kind of caught up to them. They cannot be as you know if there's no protection, you're not going to be able to do anything in this league, and it's clear. You know, quarterbacks are going to get hurt. Um, you're not going to be able to set up an offense, or you're not going to find the consistency in the offense, especially if everything up front isn't cohesive. Uh, you lose your star running back as too. It's going to be an issue. But the Giants, again, it just looked like a miserable, miserable football organization right now. But in that East division, who knows what's going to happen because you get the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals. The Eagles look like it's wide open. But you know, they could make some noise against um, the Commanders as well too because they look like they're faltering. I mean, the Rams slide in at 22. They're dropping down too after that loss, that questionable call down in the end zone. Um, they have you know the rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua, um, Kyron Williams. You know they have had success early, but then it, it, it's not the same Super Bowl team that they once were. It's not the same Super Bowl team that they once were. Stafford looks like he's kind of back to his old self, but then again they just weren't able to break through against the Bengals and. You know, Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow toughed it out and was able to find a little bit more um, energy in that one to lead him to bigger and better things than Matt Stafford was. And again, Cooper Cup injured for the most part. Um, I don't know how they're going to respond. I mean, Cooper Cup's such a big part of that offense, but it's, it's bigger than Cooper Cup. I mean, you have Aaron Donald on defense. I mean, obviously, they bet a lot of their draft capital on that one year and they won it but now you're looking at the ramifications of that and clearly it is not adding up i mean sean McVay scorched earth he got rid of his whole coaching staff um trying to change the culture there but clearly it might not be enough it looks like they've been competitive but just 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 not enough just not enough next up we look at the patriots again this is i guess it's worth bringing up too mac jones getting into sauce's sauce if you will not sure what he was up to there i mean there's been multiple clips now of him in his career where he's been seen as a dirty player um and i think the jury's out now if you're grabbing another man's junk i think it's clear to say that you're not just just dirty but you're just weird you're just weird overall i mean i remember i was playing football like my first snap in college football like a dude like like I'm, I don't want to get graphic, but, like, try to, like, jab his fingers, like, in my ass. It was just weird. It's weird. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you trying to get me from the back with your finger? Like, we're up. We're winning. I'm just trying to get my first couple snaps in. And the dude's trying to, like, just jam me in the back. Like, my ass. Like, catching, like, the back of, like, my hamstring. It was just weird. I ain't get graphic detail, but, again, it's just weird. And then grabbing another man's junk. Like, cup checking. Whatever he was doing. It was weird. It was weird. I mean, you know, Pat McAfee and Roger talked about it too. He was like, was it just a nut tap? Was it full-on shaft and balls? I don't know. You know, we're not going to get deep into it. Robert Another Man's Junk is just out of line as it is. It's weird. It's out of line. But on a football field, it's no different. Dirty isn't the word that comes to mind. It's just weird. Just, I don't, I don't, what are you going for there? Is there, there, there's no intimidation there. No intimidation. I'm not like, I'm just weirded out by it. I want to swing. I got up. I was ready to, to swing. The dude went at my ass. Just, just stop it. Just stop it. Just, just, just. 
So yeah, you don't like to see that out of any of your players. You know, you can chirp a little bit, say whatever. You're like, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with my quarterback having like swagger either. But like being dirty, it's like why is the of all people on my team to be like dirty and to do some weird stuff like that, like to take like themselves out of the game and make it look bad on them. My quarterback might be the last position I want doing that. I want him to lead by example. I want him to be an emotional leader, physical leader. I want him to lead by example. Um, I want him to power my team to do more. I mean, Tom Brady is an, is an example of that. There's a lot of great quarterbacks over time um, that are great leaders, and I don't think it's a great leadership trait to be grabbing another dude's junk. I mean, in a win, mind you, their first win. Maybe not of many, but their first win. But yeah, I just don't see it from an offensive standpoint where they can be explosive. I just don't. I don't. Even if it's they say with the RPO system, the RPO system, Bill worked with them at Bama. First of all, no, he he came in as an OC as Mac was leaving, so they had a relationship, but he never like truthfully worked with him. I mean, he kind of went over like what the offense was for Mac and like how he can like mold it into his system. But even then, Bill O'Brien at, at at Bama, I did not like. I thought he really handcuffed Bryce Young in that national championship they lost to Georgia. And then when he comes, you know, now that he's back in the league, the RPO system, that's cool. We everybody from an RPO system. RPO system is only based off of guys that can, like, it's based on players that can get open. If you're not getting guys open, if you take the pass option and guys that open, it's no good. Like, you can, like, it's only as good as guys that can get open. Christian Gonzalez, the rookie corner, really impressive, really good. But overall, there's not enough explosives from the Patriots for them to do anything this season. They're not going to compete in that East division. They're not going to compete in that AFC conference. They don't have the quarterback. They don't have the explosiveness to do it. Now we take a look at the Indianapolis Colts, which is just a little bit of a shocking, shocking deal here because Anthony Richardson um, wasn't throwing the ball too well, but he was running all over the place. And, you know, they were competing in these early weeks. And, you know, I was looking like he could get to be explosive, dealing with the concussion. Renshu comes out, and, you know, they, they, they play the field goal game. Mac hit a bunch of field goals. Um, super, super impressive hitting long field goals. Now, do I think that this is a sustainable thing for the Colts? I don't know. I mean, in the south, in the south right now, considering how poor Jacksonville has been early on, and the Texans, and they have young quarterbacks too, and then the Titans, and how bad their quarterback situation is. This could be you didn't know, Indianapolis Colts could. I mean, not a good playoff team, but very well could be a playoff team in the AFC. All things considered, which again brings us right to number nineteen on the ESPN Power Rankings: the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who? Oh, good goodness, 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 goodness! They just had oh, losing outright to the Texans was a rough one, and just you know losing to the Chiefs and, and, and is another one. But man, it, it's it, it looked so. This kind of looks kind of similar to their playoff game and how bad it was. I mean, they beat the Colts week one, which they have that tiebreaker, but then losing the next two. I mean, losing outright to the Texans in that fashion, bad. Losing to the Chiefs with that like anemic of an offensive performance, also bad. They just again that cohesiveness they had last year. Look early on against the Colts, it looked good. I mean, you got um, Etn, Kirk, Calvin Ridley was back doing his thing, and then it just looks like all of that cohesiveness and chemistry looks like it has just left. And Trevor Lawrence just hasn't been able to be a big playmaker for them. Um, and we'll see how they can you know. Evan Ingram too, how they work it out. But again, this is this another team that just hasn't wowed me, and even last year didn't, you know, wow me too much. Kind of surprised me, in the sense they were expected to be as bad as they were. But again, that that division is wide open. 
there's really no excuse for Jacksonville with the talent that they have in their team uh, to not be that number one team in that division. Um, but we shall see. And then it goes up to another team who now in a more competitive division, the Cincinnati Bengals. They have ranked at 18, not moving. Um, Burrow just dealing with the injury. And, again, as long as that injury lingers, it's, it's going to hold this team back because um, a lot of it you know, relies on his playmaking. And if he's not 100%, I will credit him with this, though, coming out and toughing it out uh, the way that he did. Super, super, super impressive. Um, and it said the risk of going 0-3 outweighed the fact that he had pain and he was going to go through the injury risk. Um, you know, all the credit to Joe Burrow. He is the dude's dude, you know, quarterback's quarterback, and he comes out and he gets the job done. Again, they don't, they're not protecting him well, and that explosiveness doesn't look like it's there. Um, but we'll see over time as he, you know, is that more practice? And yeah, he's in mispractices if he's not healthy, if he's trying to overcome that injury, which is going to affect your chemistry to make those big plays and get into a rhythm. So we'll see if he can begin to kind of heal through it and get in more time and you know get in more reps with his receivers that need to practice and they begin to work on things but if he's not practicing they can't adjust and work on the things that they're having issues with which is going to again create a problem for that offense moving forward so until i see that explosiveness again um again in that division up there we'll see how it plays out but overall haven't been too impressed i am impressed with joe burrow though um they need to get back that sense of explosiveness but if they're not going to protect them they're not going to have time to do it now this list has the Commanders at 17, and it's just it's just too high, it's just too high. They're not. They were gonna come back to earth eventually. Sam Howell um, has been sacked an NFL high nine times. He was throwing picks all over the field, throwing it to everybody except Commanders players. There's a lot of talent in that Washington team, and I think that they this could very well be a 500 football team. But it is not a playoff team, and it is not any better than the Bengals. It is not any better than the Rams. It's not any better than the Jags. It's not any better than the Colts. It in they're in Patriots territory. That that might be the team that I could put that conversation. But they are not. They should not be that high on this list. I do not see that type of energy um, from this team. Obviously, got to protect the passer more. And again, I don't see that being something that they will be able to adjust to. The Bills really showing. Um, yeah, it's like a double-edged kind of deal there, where it's like the, the this is what the Commanders are supposed to be, and the Bills this is what they are supposed to be. Uh, again, I'm not having. I mean, I was impressed first couple games. Like, oh, maybe they got something with Sam Howell, but. Again, I, I don't. This is this is a 500 football team at best, or close to 500, considering the changes. 17 games the schedule, but um, way too high for the commanders. And the same thing with the Falcons at 16. This is just too high for them. It's just too high. I mean, Desmond Ritter is not going to lead this team to anything special at all. I mean, they're not even taking advantage. I think of the mobility that he does have. Um, again, Bajon Robinson's been really impressive so far, but again, this is not a team that I see having any long-term success this season the fact that they were even close to the top 10 is is foul is foul i do not see the falcons nor the commanders being uh top 20 football teams by the end of this season we go to number 15 we go to my saints who just oh man their pass protection has been terrible too and while the statistics might not support it as much it's bad i mean I, I, we're not going to put it on the rookie kicker for missing that field goal um james got him into the position now i have complete confidence in james as a backup but this is not a Super Bowl team. This is a Super Bowl ready defense. This is probably a Super Bowl talent offense, but in terms of the offensive line production, just not good. Now Derek Carr picking up the injury. So I have full faith in Jameis Winston. But again, they they again they'll probably be I, I think they're gonna be the winners of the NFC South. Um and they probably deserve to be a little bit higher, not drop from ten to fifteen, but um, until that offensive line figures things out, it's going to be a problem, and that, that NFC South is just going to be gross. 
Uh, it bumps up to 14 with the Los Angeles Chargers now 1-2 and two after defeating the Vikings. It had to be one of those two teams. Um, obviously, there's such a big shift in NFL playoff teams. I think it's almost like a third or more of the playoff teams the year before don't make it the following year. So there's always like three or four new teams. Um, the Chargers trying to avoid being one of those teams that drops out. Obviously, the Vikings having to play the Vikings were both 0-2 you know, playoff teams last year. The Chargers blowing that big playoff game and then going going for it. <laughs> 25. Oh, man. It, it feels like Brandon Staley is coaching to get fired at, at times. That's what it seems like. But, I, again, Mike Williams going down in the injury, but it did give way to Quinton Johnson to get more reps on the outside and do more of his work there as a vertical threat wide receiver. Again, I, I, don't, I don't see it with Staley. I don't see it with their defense. I don't see them as a playoff team out west. But then again... The West isn't that talented. It's the rest of the AFC. So, you know, we'll see. Herbert, again, Herbert's going to Herbert. I mean, he's, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. He's probably a top five quarterback, if not definitely top ten. So, uh, barely pulling out that win against the Vikings, which, again, it shouldn't even have been close. They should have just punted. It should have been, you know, had to play some defense. They, I mean, you lack that much confidence in your defense where you're going for it and you're going 25. You have that much confidence in your offense. I don't know. I don't know how... Um, the approach works there, but I just, again, this is not, they are not coached well enough to do any damage, you know, as the season you know, progresses on. It leads us to the Tampa Bay at 13, which being above the Saints, I think is foul. It's cool. There's, there's no, there's just no way. You know, after, especially after that performance against Philly, Philly just, even as Jalen Hurts not playing as well as I think he can play, which we'll get into as we touch on um, the Eagles, but I just don't see... The Buccaneers' success will not last overall. I mean, Baker comes in. He's always a culture shot guy. Um, things can go well for them. I think their, de- their defense is a little underrated in consideration of how good um, it is. I think their defense is still pretty good. I think they can, they have a really good um, front seven. And Devin White, they have Ida Bea. Uh, they have you know, impressive players. But on that defense, um, they have decent secondary as well, too. But I just don't I, – I do not see them being a threat long-term. Again, in terms of that South division, um, definitely the biggest threat to, uh, I think, the Saints. But I think overall the Saints, even with um, Jameis Winston, are still your favorite to win that NFC South and should definitely be above um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of power rankings at this point. But we're working our way uh, towards the top ten. The Packers at 12, and I think that is, again, too too high. Uh, too high for the Packers, but then again, you're playing that you know weak, weaker division now after Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is clearly I, he started off so super slow in this most recent game, um, and again overall like, he makes some you know impressive uh, plays. His completion percentage just over fifty percent, which again he's looked better than that, but then at times it does look like that is pretty accurate. It does pretty much you know tell the story. Um, he can make some plays with his legs. I mean, I think he can be. He, he over time will become an explosive playmaker because he does have. He does have a pretty good arm, um, and I've been kind of impressed by him early on. But at the same time, I don't. I don't see him as a playoff quarterback of this team, considering where it sits with talent. I mean, the receivers have played up. I mean, this is this is a team that's better than I think people think it is. But I don't think it is number twelve high, nor higher. Even after beating the Saints, way they're nor higher than the Saints. Steelers coming in at 11. Again, their offense has not been good. I, don't, I really don't. I mean, Pickett kind of actually really came up big um, in this last affair against the Raiders. But again, I really haven't been impressed. They started really slow. Um, Najee Harris hasn't been the same guy. Jalen Warren's looked like the better guy out of the backfield. Um, 
I, I want to see more from Pickett. I want to see a bigger step from Pickett. But all things considered, you know, they're not, they have not been efficient on offense by any means. But, you know, 2-1 and one, the defense with Highsmith, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, they have a lot of tam- – uh, I mean, Hayward, I think, was even hurt the last game. So we're seeing, you know, going to see him come back. Um, this is a, that's an elite defensive unit, and I want to see Pickett take a bigger step because that's what I think can transform this team and can help them compete right now with the Ravens. But, you know, the Bengals, are, if they do figure out their offensive line protection, are going to come strong as well too. Um, it works into the top 10 when the Seahawks sit at 10. And again, quietly, quietly um, doing their damage. Geno Smith back on, no, back on the saddle again. Um, again, do they belong in the top 10? I mean, you start working into you know, them and the Cleveland Browns in the top 10 considering everything early on. No, I mean, again, that's the other thing with the Steelers too. I mean, competing in that division where Deshaun Watson actually looks like he's recovering himself. Uh, but to stick with the Seahawks. Again, can Geno Smith keep up the production enough to keep them in the playoff hunt? I don't know, but more so than other teams that were in the playoffs last year, because you look at how far the Vikings have fallen. It's not a matter of whether I think the Seahawks, like in terms of like looking themselves in the mirror, it's a matter of what the teams around them do and if they perform expectations. I, th- I expect the Seahawks to meet expectations. This is a 10-7 and 7 football team. I think they probably will make the playoffs once again. Uh, but I do not expect like a tr- ginormous year from them, uh, from what I've seen so far. And again, that's the same thing with the Browns too. I don't, I don't, see, I don't know. Deshaun Watson kind of, kind of starting out hot, but it's also against that anemic Titans team. They were good lord, are the Titans bad? Um, again, they losing to the Steelers, but beating the Bengals so handedly the way they did. But again, I, I think with Joe Burrow's injury and the protection issues, again, I think overall, I do not see a big bright future for the browns but again overall i'm impressed i did not expect them to start like this so we'll see uh, if it's something they can maintain and then we get into like the true you know kind of super bowl bubble at least when you when you rank these um we go through these rankings uh one team that i think that is in a super bowl bubble right now it could be a super bowl winning team um the detroit lions with jameer gibbs um david montgomery obviously was in there for a period of time as a power back jameer gibbs um Man, this the rookie can play. The rookie can move. Um, he'll find he'll 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 start you know to work himself into to more touches. But I really do like Jameer Gibbs. I think Jared Goff going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But man, I think he's going to be able to take this team into the playoffs. I mean, he's been there before. Everyone wanted to say everything about McVay, um, and, and maybe rightfully so. But uh, I still think that Jared Goff leading this offense with Sam Laporte or two, um, a lot of the young rookies. Overall. Super, super impressed with the Lions, and I think that that is a not only a playoff team, but a, a Super Bowl contender in Detroit. Uh, works our way up to the Ravens, who you know, have dropped one spot in the power rankings, and of course they're dealing with a ton of injuries, as they normally do, um, and more so in the running game, but if Lamar stays healthy, as long as Lamar stays healthy, this is, again, this is a playoff team, this is a team that should win their division, um, as if Lamar is healthy, and again, he's been healthy so far, so we'll see. Um, if he can maintain his health, works up to the Cowboys, who are one of the top teams. They came out, you know, red hot, shutting out uh, the New York Giants the way they did. They they put the world on notice big time. Um, but again, I'm still, I mean, you know, then Trevon Diggs uh, dealing with the injury. They beat the Jets. I mean, the Giants, the Jets have been two dysfunctional organizations out of New York, and then they lose. You know, probably, you know, you could look at it as a trap game. Is they going to have you know the Patriots at home? They go on the road. They lose to Arizona outright. So. I have no faith in Dak Prescott overall. I mean, defensively, they're pretty sound. They have some weapons on offense. But overall, I mean, Dak Prescott's never going to take you to, to bigger and better things. And 
it's unfortunate, but I don't care. It's just not happening. I don't. I, I don't see Dak Prescott being a player that elevates that Cowboys team from anywhere where they've already been. What is like? What have they changed? What big adjustments? They got rid of Zeke. That's a positive. That's a plus. Getting rid of Ezekiel Elliott's a plus. But again, like we haven't seen the the electric Tony Pollard. We haven't seen. Again, I don't think there's any big play explosiveness with this Dallas team. I mean, even CeeDee Lamb doesn't really impress me that much. They beat two dysfunctional teams handily the way they should and then played down to their competition in the Cardinals game. This is not a Super Bowl team. This is, but again, being in the top 10, as talented as defensive is, even with Trevon Diggs going down, I still expect a lot from the Cowboys going forward. The Bills finally climbing back in. This is, again, this is a Super Bowl bubble team because of this, how good Josh Allen is, but... Early on, he's got to stop turning the ball over the way he does. I mean, it's 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 frustrating as a football fan overall to just see him chuck it away the way he does. I mean, sometimes it's just as good as a punt, essentially. But man, he's got to fix the turnover bug, and they got to get on the you know, same page. They, they get too not too high, not too low. They have to stay more level more level headed. I think that is the biggest deal with the Buffalo Bills level headedness. And it's come down to Sean McDermott. And the coaching staff, I know they control that. Um, and if they are going to continue to turn the ball over like that, like they have to be able to respond to that in ways um, and find a time where it's like even appropriate to turn the ball over, if that's even a thing. Um, but, yeah, the turnovers are a huge issue as well as I think it's just the mentality in the locker room. I think they're a little too high-strong, and I think that's going to – that might, might hurt them down the long run. But then we work into the top four. They get the 49ers at one, the Dolphins at two, the Eagles at three. The Chiefs at four, of course, dealing with that tough loss to Detroit. That's a big deal for Detroit to get that win the way they did. Uh, but it was a statement game. And um, Taylor Swift was there for Travis Kelsey. Apparently that's the new thing. Um, and there's a whole lot of stats to look up in terms of like the effect that Taylor Swift had. So this so before, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this as try to be as open minded as I can with this. I'm gonna try to be. Um <laughs> So, like, the business person in me understands it. But, anyways. So, Taylor Swift showed up to the Chiefs-Bears game. There's a 400% spike in Travis Kelsey jersey sales. Uh, Kelsey's podcast now ranks number one overall on Apple, which I think it was high up there as it was anyways. Um, he had 383,000 Instagram followers added that day. 24.3 million viewers, which was the number one game this week. 63% jump in female viewers aged 18 to 49. Three times increase in Chiefs searches on the web. Three times increase in Chiefs sales on StubHub. And the Chiefs sold more tickets in a single day since the start of the season. All that from a business perspective, however it is, if it's a marketing player, just how it works out for the NFL League and for any involved, it's impressive. And I want them nowhere near the game of football. I want no, no, no Swifties should be watching football. If I have to see a, just the Twitter sphere and the social media world filled with a bunch of Swifties asking what a tight end is, what a quarterback is, what what what, what first down is, what are the downs, what is a turnover on downs, what is a touchdown. I, I don't need like the question, the game of twenty one questions when it comes to football. I don't need it. I don't need Swifties thinking they know more about football than me because they've watched one game or because they are a big Taylor Swift fan and she dates Travis Kelsey. That that some girl drinking her Starbucks drink thinks she knows more than football. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't. I, I don't. I don't need it. I don't care how much money it's making. I don't want it anywhere near the game of football. Call me whatever you want. But Taylor Swift fans have no place in in football. I don't want them anywhere near the game. So it, it just would be cancerous. I would I wouldn't hate it. I would hate it. 
you know, how many, you probably even get more Super Bowl viewers, get on the halftime show. I'm sure it would go great, even though they announced that it was going to be Usher, which hopefully it gets a little John. But, yeah! yeah, no, the Taylor Swift fans, just keep them away from football. Just keep them away from football. I don't want them anywhere near the game. Nope. Nope. The 21 questions is probably the least, probably going to be closer to like 42 or, I don't even know. I don't even know. It's It's bad. It's bad. I, you, it will be so bad. It's going. <sighs> All the questions. Oh, man. I can't. I can't. I won't do it. I'm trying to act like they're big football fans because Taylor Swift hates Travis Kelsey. Statement. Statement game by the Chiefs, though. Great performance by the Chiefs, and they could have ran up the score just like the Dolphins did, but they, they chose not to. And it was, again, they very well could have done it because the Bears are just uh, tragic right now. Eagles coming in at three on this list, which again I still think they should. As a no, they should be probably. I I think the Chiefs should probably be higher than considering. I think Mahomes has probably been a little bit hotter than Jalen Hurts in terms of the start of the season. But again, this is still a very complete team. The run game is very complete. They have an identity. They like to run the football. Jalen Hurts hasn't played I think as well as he can. But at the end of the day. Um, AJ Brown, you know, started to look a little more explosive in that last game, uh, but obviously he had a big, you know, kind of a tantrum. But you know, the game before. But overall, I still think that this is a really, really solid Eagles squad that very well should be in this conver- you know, the Super Bowl conversation for uh, the entire year. The defense is impressive. How front, how that front seven plays. That all oh, the the depth they have in that D line. The different weapons they have overall. Darius Slay playing as well as he has in the secondary. I mean, I mean, the, the up front Jalen Carter too making the impact that he has. Man. Oh, man, they're just destroying up up front. I think overall, in terms of aging well, it's going to line up very well with that defense and the defensive line playing that well because that will last throughout the season. Um, That's something that will work, especially later in the season goes on. And I think Jalen, it gives time, you know, to Jalen Hurts to find that rhythm again. Of course, had the injuries and stuff last year too, which I I think are still going to be playing into a factor, but playing a different style and playing, I think, Shuffling the system a little bit. I think they're going to get into a better, uh, better rhythm, but I think the defense helping them along in that matter is is a big deal. Dolphins at two. Um, overall, I think that this... <laughs> I don't know. The 49ers have been impressive too, but I would say that I would even put the Dolphins at one on my personal one. I mean, good Lord. Good, good Lord. Oh. What are you, you're putting up 70. It's the most points in an NFL game since 1966. 726 yards of offense. Oh, man. It's obviously they're going to lead in pretty much every category. Tua didn't even have like an incompletion in the first half. I mean, as long the only thing with them is as long as Tua stays healthy, is his head, his noggin, is just keep him off the ground and they protect him, they're going to be good. And obviously they have a system. Uh, Mike McDaniel has, like I said, get people, like, a lot of these speedy players in space. Um, and is a really, really good football mind coming from the Shanahan system, and I think by far they should be the number one um, in power rankings right now. But anyways, 49ers have run a pretty good spot at number one. Again, Shanahan, a genius as well. A lot of weapons on that offense. Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. These are all guys that are very good at multiple things. I think the uh, utility of a lot of these guys and their ability to do multiple things. I mean, the blocking of Kittle, um, Debo Samuel can move all over the field. Ayuk, um, good blocker as well. You have Yuschik, who's a really good blocker out of the backfield. I mean, it's a very unique system, and guys are very good at doing more than one thing. But they can also have a ton of speed that takes the top off your defense and 
obviously McCaffrey too, catching passes and running like the way he does. Like again, they're all really good at many different things. And then it's I should not have this much faith in a seventh round pick quarterback, but I do, I do, I do. Just there's some again. Everybody that you, you hear from the 49ers organization just says that Brock Purdy has the it factor, and I think he's very clear at this point with the success that they've had on top of the success that they've had. Um, just the way he holds himself and carries himself in the pocket and overall. So the success is there. I have no problem. You know, I'm seeing them one. I'd put the Dolphins at my number one personally. I don't know <sighs> something about. I mean Brock Purdy in comparison to these other quarterbacks, but. Um, I believe Colin, Colin Cowherd described it as he's like the conductor of the symphony. Like there's all these impressive things going on in the symphony, but at the end of the day, like nobody really thinks a conductor. But he's he's you know he's dealing out. He's everybody's listening to him, um, and he, he rides you know he directs shit pretty well. So we'll see what the future holds. But that's pretty much just your rundown throughout the NFL week. And my thoughts. We'll have some picks in the podcast stuff coming up. I'll try to break into some more specific stories as we progress. But just wanted to touch upon. Um, some college football and the NFL as well. Be sure to follow on all social medias, X, Instagram, TikTok. Um, all of it's going to be in the link in the bio. Uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Like and subscribe on YouTube and also subscribe on Spotify, wherever you're getting um, this wonderful podcast. Everybody, we're your fists. Sign off.